eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, how was your day, Illini fans? What a Saturday that was. Now let's talk about it here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. I am Jeremy Warner, Illini Inquirer publisher. Not a good day. Now, I don't know if I agree with Mike Carpenter that this is one of his worst days as an Illini fan, but I get it. Two rivalry games, and you lose both of them. Uh, one was way worse than the other, in my opinion, as Illinois football loses to Northwestern 28-10 to in an ugly, ugly affair where Illinois took a 3-0 lead, uh, but then gave up 28 straight points, a lot like uh, the Iowa game. Not quite as good to start, uh, but he had some early momentum, didn't take advantage of it enough, and just got uh, ran roughshod over after that. And uh, Illinois falls to 2-5 and five on the season. Towards the end of the podcast, uh, I'm going to start with basketball, and then towards the end of the podcast, I will chat about where Illinois football is at right now. But... Let's first talk about Illinois basketball, which after a great win at Duke, and it remains a great win at Duke because you were dominant from start to finish, Illinois falls again in the Bragg and Rights game, three straight losses to Missouri, 81-78. to Now, I believe this is Conzo uh, Martin's best team at Missouri, and they certainly play like a veteran team today, uh, but Illinois really, really struggled in the middle portion of this game. Io DeSumo almost put on a Superman cape and saved Illinois, uh, but he did struggle towards the end with some late game possessions. He had 36 points, a career high uh, for Io, and uh, just wasn't able to close it out at the end. But an unbelievable performance for him, but just not enough help. Kofi had 19 points, Andre Curbelo had 14 points, but Frazier 4, Williams 3, Miller 2, Grandison and Bishanishvili 0 uh, just not enough help, and uh, it was a poor, it was it was a tightly officiated game, but it was tightly officiated both ways. There were definitely questionable calls. I wish they would have swallowed their whistles, but at the end of the day, Missouri got called for twenty seven fouls. Illinois had twenty eight free throw attempts. Illinois got called for twenty five fouls. Missouri had thirty one free throw attempts. Missouri had nine more free throw points than Illinois. So at the end of the day, Missouri took advantage of it and made their freebies and Illinois didn't. Illinois also played out of character. I thought defensively, um, especially with the fast break early, um, they just weren't able to get back and stop the ball. Xavier Pinson was phenomenal again uh, for Missouri, the kid out of Chicago, Simeon. Uh, but as well, you just 
fouled a lot. They just fouled a lot, guys. And uh, Missouri got to the free throw line, and they took advantage of it. And then Io made such a great run there. Andre Cabello had some fantastic plays, creating for Kofi, uh, but uh, they just couldn't uh, pull it out at the end, couldn't get over that hump. And Illinois loses again, 81-78, so they've lost two of their last three, one to number 2 Baylor, one to a Missouri team on the road that's going to be in the top 25 of this week's AP poll most likely. Illinois probably fall uh, some spots, but um, in the non-conference, they certainly have learned a lot. There's no bad losses here. you got a good win over a Duke team, and now you're heading to Big Ten play where it's going to be a heavyweight match almost every night you have in the Big Ten here. Starts with Minnesota uh, on Tuesday night at State Farm Center, 6 o'clock tip-off in that one. Uh, but to break down this game, I reached out to my guy, and he's kind enough to join me yet again, and we talked hoops for about 30 minutes here. You guys enjoyed him so much over the last loss that I called him again after a loss, not to try to talk you off the ledge, but just to get a different take uh, on what actually happened on the court from a basketball fan and a basketball mind. I called up Mike Latulip, uh, and he was more than willing to break down Illinois basketball's 81-78 loss. Mike Latulip, former Illini guard, coach of the the basketball tournament House of Pain team, the Illini alumni team, a fantastic basketball mind. He's coming up next. I'll get some football thoughts on before we get out of here. Sit down, Illini fans. Let's figure all this out. Michael Tuops next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, back on the Illini Enquirer podcast, and I got such great feedback the first time, and I always love talking hoops with Mike Latulip, no matter what it is, Illinois basketball, NBA. And I'm sorry, Mike, that we're bringing you you on after another loss. Uh, As you said before we get on here, um, at least it's uh, a little earlier in the night, but uh, just initial thoughts um, on Illinois' 81-78 loss to Missouri. Well, first things first, like always, appreciate you having me on. And I will say this is the, the second time I've been on. And it is following a loss. But <laughs> glass half full, we could say the next game was a win. Yeah. Um, so so we can look at it that way. But I, I thought tonight it was it was an interesting game. It, it felt like there was, if you want to take the first two halves of the – so the first half and the second half, the first two halves of those halves, I thought, you know, Missouri really set the tone um, – you know, defensively with their toughness. And then at that point, you have to almost completely change the game script to get back into the game. So I, I, if you were to ask Brad Underwood, hey, do we just want, you know, Io going isolation for the entire game, essentially? I'm sure he wouldn't want that. Like, you right. want other guys involved. 
because when it comes to crunch time, then you don't have to rely as heavily on IO and you can have other guys that are within the flow of the offense. Um, you know, Trent hit a monster three in the corner. And I remember sitting there and just being like, that is such a big three because he has not, it was his third shot of the game. He hadn't, he hadn't been really, you know, involved offensively, but to hit that shot, you know, and then you have other guys that, that, you know, that tried to get into the flow. And, and at that point you're almost too far gone where you have to keep riding Iowa. And I mean, 13 for 20, he had 36 points. I mean, he did basically all he could do, but he struggled the last last two and a half minutes when when everyone knows that that's what's coming, when everybody knows that he's going to drive those gaps. And and Drew Smith, credit him. I mean, he's a great defender, and he showed it at the end. This, I'm, I'm going to slide. I'm going to cut off these angles, and I'm going to take a charge. And um, but I thought that was kind of the story of the game. It, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the Kofi foul. It wasn't it, you know it wasn't the flagrant one. It wasn't this. You know, because the refs may have made a bad call, but the refs didn't miss 11 free throws, mm-hmm. you know, right? And, and and the refs weren't three for 13 from three. And, and and I think this team is talented enough. And like I said, game script has a lot to do with it. But this team is talented enough to not have nine assists in the game. Uh, there's a lot of playmakers on this team, a lot of capable scorers on this team. And, and frankly, that just that, that shouldn't happen. Um, you, you know, but, but I, I'll go, keep going back to it. Like, that is not... I'll use the phrase, not your father's Mizzou, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's not the one that we expect, you know, over the years and, and like, oh, man, that's a bad loss. That's not a bad loss. Obviously, we'd love to win that game, but that's going to be a team that's going to be right up there in the SEC. Yeah, and it's a road loss uh, at a team that uh, you and I both believe is a top 25 team after this week, after taking down Illinois, you know, a 5-0 start, impressive win over Oregon. Uh, they look like an old team early in the year, and, and I do think we forget with – you know, some Illinois veterans, they do have some young guys. And I think Adam Miller showed some youth. I think Kofi at times uh, shows some youth. And, and, and so does Kerbello, as, as good as he is. Um, mm-hmm. But but I wanted, I wanted to start here, Mike. When you have a tightly officiated game, and it was both ways, right? I mean, Missouri had 27 fouls, Illinois 25. Illinois had nine less points, fewer points at the free throw line, despite shooting three fewer, right? I mean, that, that that's the game right, right there. Um, they didn't take advantage of it. But obviously it was a tightly officiated game and it changed the game. What is that like to play in or how do you have to adapt when that happens? Because Illinois doesn't get 25 fouls because they're all 25 bad calls. Right. And, and, and that's the thing. I was, I was actually just talking to someone before we, before we hopped on and, you know, they, they were kind of talking about the officiating and those were a lot of fouls. And I'm like, yeah, there were a lot of foul calls, but honestly, like there were a lot of fouls. Like they're like, and a lot of it came from, from, from being out of position um, you know, you had a couple of weird calls. Like there, there was the one in the, or the, even in the first half, you know, Drew Smith shot fakes on the perimeter. Trent Frazier kind of just gets into him and just kind of clubs him in the face. And I mean, that's, that's a foul. And, and ultimately that's, it's, it gets really, really hard to, to get into a rhythm um, offensively and defensively. Um, Cause now you're thinking about it. Now you have guys that are in foul trouble. Maybe, maybe you don't have your typical, you know, rotation that you want because, you know, Georgie gets two fouls early, um, you know, and just as Georgie was a beneficiary of, of Kofi's foul trouble against Baylor, like, you know, you didn't have that, that option tonight where, where he can come in and just kind of play free of mind. So I thought that was a big part of it too. But, you know, when you look at a tightly officiated game like that, that's not typically the case in, in those, in the bragging rights game. I, I can specifically remember, you know, you want to go back to, I think these are the two best teams playing in the bragging rights game since I would imagine the 2012-2013 season, my freshman year, when yeah. 
Uh, both teams were ranked. Uh, both teams were ranked, I think, in the top 12 um, or top 13. Uh, but that was a slugfest. And, and it was like you almost felt like you could just – if you wanted to, you could just punch somebody in the face <laughs> and, and it wouldn't get called. I mean, I specifically remember there was an inbounds pass. This might have been 13-14. But Tracy Abram <laughs> – Tracy Abrams catches an inbound pass and – it might have been, you know, it, it was one of the guards. I don't know if it's Phil Pressy or somebody, but kind of got into him. And Tracy just like one hand like shoved him to get him off of him in the backcourt. I could I could probably find the clip somewhere, but and there was just it was just a play on. Like they just that was the type of stuff that they let go. And and I don't want to say like you know that this era this or or you know eight years ago is this, but that makes a big difference. And for a team that is probably a little bit more balanced, Mizzou. Um, that benefits them because you can have more guys that can get into that rhythm as opposed to, you know, Illinois where they had to flip the game script and, and go a lot of isolation. And, and, and that's kind of how I look at that. And, and as you, and as you piece it apart, you know, those free throws come back to bite you. Like they just yeah. do. And, and really, you know, I look at, I look at Mizzou. I mean, I mean, credit them 26 for 31 from the line, really 26 for 29. Right. Um, you know, you know, obviously, um, you know, he missed the two free throws there at the end, but, but, but man, like those are, it's so important to, you know, to be able to connect from the, from the charity stride, because the, the reality is that Illinois is never going to be a, you know, an unbelievable free throw shooting team because, you know, odds are nothing against Kofi, but he's going to be shooting a lot of free throws and, and he's about, you know, 50, 60% free throw shooter at times. And um, so that's always going to hurt your numbers. So, you know, but for Andre Corbello, and for Io, I know Io nine for twelve, you know, but he missed those two big ones, uh, you know, kind of late there in the second half. Like those guys have to connect. Mm -hmm. Like it has to be boom when we get in the bonus when we're playing with a lot of time left. We get into the bonus with, with you know nine minutes left in the second half. When when the whistle blows and it's a foul and Andre Curbelo and Io, I would assume are going to the line. It's got to be that's two points. Like no questions asked. And uh, easier said from done. Nobody shoots a hundred percent from the line, but. Um, it felt like some of those misses were just were just crucial there at the end. Yeah, I, I marked that Desumu uh, missed pair of free throws too because mm -hmm. Tillman got fouled on the uh, the rebound attempt and he got two on the other end. He made both. That's made a, that's a, that's a huge four point swing. I mean, you were down to one possession. of Iowa makes both of them. Instead, it was a three possession game like that, and you had to climb back up just to just to tie it. And uh, I mean, it was an amazing effort. Um, you know, mostly single handedly there by Io Desumu, who had twenty one points uh, in the second half of the Illini's thirty seven. Um, I know people are, are tearing apart a little bit of some of the things, whether it's the shot attempts, the turnovers late in the game. But you made a good point, Mike, that, that Mizzou knew it was coming. Drew Smith's a really good defender. Yeah, you have a guy who can get you back in a game like that. Um, yep. I mean, what what a performance by Io just to even make this a game because he, he barely got any help tonight. It was it was unbelievable, first of all. And like it, it's I almost kind of looked at this game, it's and, and and maybe this isn't the right phrase, but it was almost like a prisoner of your own success game. Hmm. And for one, obviously Illinois had a lot of success this season. And with that comes a lot of teams that, that have your name circled on the calendar. And then I look at a guy like Io. Like you, you, you have so much success in the game that you almost become a prisoner of it at the end because you have a guy like Drew Smith who has now guarded you in isolation like 30 times in one game. At some point, he's going to pick up on certain things. Like you give him a chance to pick up on 
okay, when he comes this way, I know he likes to cross back over. And when he does cross back over, I'm going to step in and take a charge. And that's what happened there at the top of the key. And then even look at a guy like Andre Curbelo. I think what Andre's realizing now is, oh, my God, I can, I can get to the basket basically whenever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think as a, as a facilitator and as a point guard, which is, you know, people probably look at him more as a facilitator than a scorer. He can obviously score the ball. But he, he'll take the next step when he realizes that, hey, me getting by my guy doesn't always have to result in me getting a shot up on the rim. That's me getting guys to commit, and that's me getting DeMonte and Trent involved so that when it comes to the end of the game, those guys are feeling a little, more, a little bit more in rhythm. Um, and, you can, and you can count on those guys a little more. I'm not saying that you can't count on those are two seniors, but, but that's, that's kind of how you have to look at it. It's almost like you're, you're a prisoner of all the things that you've done well. Uh, it's like your your greatest strength is can be your greatest weakness at times and um but yeah I thought that ended up in, in the last last play of the game it kind of is what it is I, I you know I can sit here anybody can sit there on their couch and just be like oh he should have done this he should have done that I mean Io I think is is probably single handedly won like thirty games over the last <laughs> last few years so you know one of these games is going to happen uh, like I said he had a tough last you know two and a half three minutes there but. But the reality is, you know, when you're you're down three, ten seconds left, you know, I, I think if you if you could give it back to Io one more time and give him a do over, I think he gets something going to the rim, yeah. or he at least uses the ball screen at the top of the key from Kofi. Uh, maybe he can catch one of their bigs in a downhill situation. And at that point, you don't even have to go for a three because you may get a body, and he's so good finishing through contact, you may get a body and catch an and one. So now instead of having to just hoist up a three you can get the basket and then just knock down a free throw and then, and then boom, let's go to overtime and let's win this. But you know, those, those games happen. I think, I think maybe he thought he could get like a, a rip through, you know, foul there. Um, yeah. Kind of what Mike, it looked like. I, I, that's, I tweeted That's, that's kind of what I saw, but, but it's, it's tough to tell, but one kind of a one foot shot off of the right foot and the way he swung it through that, that, that to me, that's what it, that looked like. Yeah. I tweeted out at the time. Like I, I didn't say, Oh, what a, what a terror. I was more like, I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, and afterwards yeah. he told us that he heard the Mizzou bench yelling foul and he saw the Mizzou yeah. guy lunge okay. at him and he was hoping to, to get some contact and get the three. And it, it didn't happen. I, I mean, that's not a terrible idea uh, if they're trying to follow you. Um, it's just, it, it looked really weird when it was happening, but you know, like we expect Iowa to make that shot every time now it's kind of like everyone thinks jordan made every shot or lebron needs to make every shot at the end of the game yeah and that's and that's the thing like you want to talk about just like and i don't want to throw out like it's the game of inches it's just like you are you know probably like a drew smith hand being four inches closer to io from you being like that is such a heady play by io but instead you know it looks the way it looks and it's like man is that you know, and and I'm sure that 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 Brad Underwood didn't draw up, hey, reject the screen, then shoot off a of one foot with your right leg. Like that's basketball. Like those those types of things happen. He thought he had a read, and, and it doesn't pan out the way you know the way it goes. But um, but yeah, like I think out of the timeout, there's just there's no question who's going to have the ball in that situation. I I also think that you know the way that you can use. I, I thought I all got worn down a little bit in the second half just mm-hmm. from you know trying to essentially carry the team. I think you can use Andre Curbelo in a lot of different spots. It's not just, hey, Andre, come off the screen. Let's get downhill. Let's get you around the rim. Let's get you, you know, throwing drift passes down the baseline. You can use Andre because the way he navigates the floor, if you want to get Io the ball, even if you want to stick with the Io isolation, let's get Andre in a situation where he can 
he can get Io the ball in the right spot. Yeah. Or get get Io in a spot on the floor that he's comfortable with, where there's a little bit movement before you can wear down the defense a little bit, and it's not just this head up, hey, inbound the ball, Io dribbles up, hesitation, go. Like that's when guys can start getting a beat on what you're doing, and those are why the charges get taken at the end of the game. So that that's another thing that I think you can look at is like, hey, let's use let's use Curbelo in a way that's like, yes, we want him to facilitate and move the ball and get to the rim, but let's utilize him to get you know, get the ball to Io in some, in some advantageous spots. And I, th- I thought they did that a little bit. Even in the first half, they had Io kind of running off some pin downs in the baseline and having him catch it in different spots. And I thought that's why he got off to such a good start. Um, it's just really hard to stick with that when you, when you bury yourself in a hole, um, you know, and you have to resort to kind of a game script that you didn't plan for. Yeah, feels like take a little weight off of Io. But, man, he's done that so many times in ISO that, yeah, I, I kind of get why you just roll with the guy who got you there. But, uh, I mean, you got there – Mike, because I think defensively in the first half, you were just awful, right? I mean, the, the fouling yep. was a big part of that. But, man, the transition defense, the fast break defense, wh- what did that show you? Like, What were you seeing with how Missouri was just, even when they didn't get fouled, Xavier Pinson, even out of made field goals, would just push it in transition and nobody stopped the ball. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you want to talk about a team like a team like Illinois who – Going into this game, I, I would have to check Ken Palm, but you know, I know after the Duke game or after the Baylor game, they were still the you know the number one team in the country offensive rebound percentage. But it's a pick your poison, right? Hey, do we send all these guys to the glass? But hey, if we don't come up with it, what's our transition defense look like? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if we can't get back, now these guys are getting out in transition and they're you know they're getting some easy buckets. And and in a game like this, you know, especially how closely it's going to be called and guys are going to be shooting free throws. Like you'd want it to, to shrink down to a half court game instead of being on your heels and, and, and you know, having to sprint back and, and, and try to get matched up. So, yeah, I just think that in a game like that, in, a, in, in really just a toughness game, like, hey, this is the bragging rights game, this is a toughness game, like you can't have, you can't only have six offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. Like you can't. And, and I know that, you know, if you really break down the, <laughs> I guess, the statistics, there weren't a ton of offensive, re- you know, you shoot 52% from the field. There aren't a ton of offensive rebounds to be had, um, but but I still think that you know they, they should Illinois should not have a game go by where they are not nearing or at the double digit mark for offensive rebounds. And and you know I want to bring up you know the, the a ghost of Illini's past, but like Alan Griffin is a guy that mm-hmm. that I think they're missing on that side. I think Andres Felice, him being able to stick his nose in there, like that's another guy that they're missing on that side. And I think, you know, right now they've, they've been resorting to, I think, sending a few guys more, a few more guys back. Um, but I think Adam Miller and his athleticism and his strength, like he can end up being a guy that, that is starting to haul in some of these offensive rebounds, um, you know, if they, you know, if they get to the point where they feel comfortable in sending him. Uh, I think he can really fill that Allen Griffin void. But, but I guess going off on a different tangent with Adam Miller, you know, what, he's, he's such a capable and such a good defender. That I thought tonight, you know, he had spots where he he looked good, but I thought at times he kind of tied his offense to his defense, yeah. or he really tied his defense to his offense. Um, like he really, and I said this before on the previous podcast we had, he's he's very screenable right now, and that's and that's very typical for a freshman. Very typical for a freshman. Kendrick Nunn struggled mightily with that, um, but he's very screenable. And what happens is if you have Kofi in a ball screen situation, or you have Georgie in a ball screen situation. Obviously, you want to limit those. Just head up, guard, guard on Kofi, guard on 
guard on Georgie downhill. But the way you do that is by getting through the screen. And I thought there were a couple times tonight, um, one big one later in the second half where he just got labeled on a screen. And, and, and there's really no excuse, especially in a, in, in a game with no one in the in the gym. Like you sh- There shouldn't be like a head in here. You know, I didn't hear you call it out. Um, that that shouldn't be an issue. So the, that communication's got to be there. But he just has to find a way to either get skinny and get through, or you take that step and get into your guy and, and just trail him as best you can, and then fight to fight to level him off. Um, but, but but yeah, I I think I think overall, you know, this is a game that you know they'll watch the film and uh, like I'm not sure they're that they're gonna like it. I'm not sure the coaching staff is gonna like it because there were a lot of toughness plays. And I thought could it be made could be made that, that weren't specifically in the second half. Like there was, you know, there was a tip ball that I think was right in front of Kofi and right in front of Trent. Yeah. And it was like the second of hesitation, Mizzou ended up getting it back, but like that's a ball you gotta dive on. Yeah, like it, like, it just is. Like that that's the way you gotta be programmed to do it. I was gonna ask you, like, it's easy for me to sit there and you, you know the storylines with Missouri and all its former Illinois players and, and Tillman and Smith both right. filed out today and they were very good. But you know, Pinson didn't have an Illinois offer. Pickett it continues to play well against Illinois. Yep. Uh, but it's easy for us to just sit there and go, Yeah, Mizzou just wants it more. But I mean, you see those 50-50 balls, and you and you see the way they come out of the gates, and and kind of just adapted to the game, and and made their free throws, and had focus there. It, it, do you think that was the case that Mizzou just wanted this one more again? It's the life of a top ten team in my eyes. Like this is, you could have thrown Mizzou in there tonight. You could have thrown really any team um, in there tonight. Like when you have that six next to your name they're going to want that loose ball. Like, you know, they, they want to be able to go back to their apartment or dorm and, you know, hit up their friends, FaceTime their family and be like, yeah, we just beat a top 10 team in the country. Like that's a big deal. So like what, and I get bragging rights game. That should be a big deal to Illinois. Um, but there's something about being that, you know, when you have that ranking next to your name that, you know, when you, when you're that team and, and this, you know, this goes to show you like the Villanovas and, you know, and I almost feel, feel weird saying the Dukes because they just, they didn't look very good, you know, in the game that Illinois played against them. But like, yeah, the Villanovas, you know, the, these teams that are always perennial top ten teams, you see how hard it is. Like, it's hard. Like every night, you know, and there's always like one game a year where you're like, man, Villanova dropped a game to who? But like, that's that's because those teams, you know, that are finishing in the bottom of the Big East, want that game bad because they want to say they beat a top ten team. They want to say that they beat, you know you know, Colin Gillespie or, or, you know, or, or Jalen Brunson or those guys, like that's a big deal. And, and, and I think what Illinois has to do and what they have to understand is like, it's a quick learning curve when you go from, you know, the hunter to the hunted, like it's, it just is like, and, and I think the more that they experience that and the more that, and I think I tweeted this out kind of right after the game, like, yo, the reality is, you know, you're a ranked team and everybody is going to, you're going to get everybody's best shot. And everybody's going to be dying to play you. Yeah. But you, your job as the ranked team, as the top 10 team, is to make sure that after the game starts that they're like, God, I wish we were not playing them right now. <laughs> like, I wish, I wish this game wasn't on ESPN Radio. I, I, I wish this game wasn't nationally televised because I, like, I, I don't want to be embarrassed out here. Like, that's how, that's how it has to be. And easier, like, like, you know, like you and I always say, easier said than done. Like, mm-hmm. easier, easy for me to sit here you know, uh, on just another Saturday night and just be like, hey, this, hey, that, hey, this, hey, that. But, you know, it, it is a mindset. And I know, and the, the beauty of it is I know these guys possess it. 
I know they possess it. It's just experience. It's learning. It's being able to, to, to grow from, from a loss like this. And, um, you know, I think we all, I always go back to, you always hear people say, you know, in, in the big, in like a big game, right. A bragging rights game, or you're playing Baylor, you're playing Duke. And it's always like, Oh man, like we need somebody else to, to, you know, we need somebody else to step up tonight. Like we need somebody else. Cause I thought in the Baylor game, you know, you had other people step up, but like, Hey, let's, let's not get it twisted. We need IO and Kofi and these guys, we still need them to play well. Right. Like these other guys are just icing on the cake. Um, but, but, and I thought you saw tonight, you know, the, and I know I'm kind of all over the place, but as I look at it, you know, this is a good learning lesson because going into this game, Illinois was shooting 47% from three, which season ends today, you know, they're, that's, that would be number one in the country. I'd pick a year. So like dealing with, okay, here's a game where we didn't shoot particularly well. Um, so what else are we doing? 13 turnovers, eh, not bad compared to some of the other games. But like that nine, the nine assists, and I get it's a lot of game script and the missed free throws. Those are things that can win you games. Mm-hmm. And shots aren't always going to be there every night. But from the free throw line, it absolutely should be. And then getting other guys involved and, and, and limiting those turnovers, like that should be just non-negotiable. Well, Mike, before I let you go, and I always appreciate the time, man. Um, it is a bad day for Illinois athletics with the football loss before it. So a lot of one fans yeah. are probably in a dark place because this is their basketball team, and and they're they've lost two games out of the last three that they wanted to win, and and they wanted to right. win a national championship in the non-conference. Right, that doesn't happen. Um, we've yep. seen so many Michigan State teams go one and two against top 25 teams and and turn that into something uh, later on the year and accomplish all their goals that they want to accomplish. So um, I I think you and I both know this is still a very good basketball team that's lost to two pretty good opponents. One neutral site that I think uh, Baylor's a a legit national title contender, and I'll have them in my final four. And one in Missouri, that a road loss at Missouri, and I think this is the best Missouri basketball team we've seen uh, in a while, better than any Conzo's had, in my opinion, even with the Porter brothers. So where do you kind of evaluate this team um, after it's non-conference, heading into conference play where, you know, I know Northwestern's not great, Nebraska's not great, even Minnesota, who they play on Tuesday, isn't great, but they got great players mm-hmm. and Marcus Carr and they got some transfers helping out. So just how would you evaluate six games in where this team's at? It's funny, in the, in the, in the North Carolina a and game, I remember I was about to tweet this and I didn't because I didn't want it to be misconstrued, like, hey, we go up by 40 against North Carolina A&T, let's start talking national championship. But it was just kind of just, when you look at the history, right, and history will tell you a lot of things. And if you go back to the last 20 years, every national champion has one of three things. Every single one of them. They are either a top 10 offense, a top 10 defense, which, or both, there's been, I think, maybe seven teams over the last 20 years that have been both. Obviously, you're in good shape if you have that. But you're either a top 10 offense, a top 10 defense, or you're a top 10 in offensive rebounding. And right now, just a little, just to talk everybody off the ledge, <laughs> Illinois has the number 10 rated offense in the country. Keep in mind, you've played Duke, you've played Missouri, you've played Baylor. This isn't like you've played, you know, just a you know six games of just a horrible non-conference like you've played great teams a final four caliber team and two team and two teams like two tournament teams um mizzou looks like they could be like a six or seven seed uh, maybe even a five depending on how they do an sec play 
but you are yeah, offensive rebounding. You're in the top 20. You're right there. And, and honestly, this game will set them back a little bit, but I think it's not indicative of how, how good they, they rebound the ball offensively. So top 10 in offense. Right now they're 34th in defense. But you got to keep in mind, a lot of teams that are ahead of them right now maybe haven't played the same type of schedule mm-hmm. um, you know, that they have. So top 10 in offense, 34th in defense, 19th in offensive rebounding. Like let's, and I don't want to say like, hey, you know, national championship or bust, but like those are the things that you have to look at and understand that if you don't have those three things, that, that it gets even more difficult to, to get to the promised land, if you will. Um, but yeah, when I look at this team, I see a team that is, that, that could not have learned more in six games. I mean, and each game added something different. Uh, you know, the Ohio game was like the wake-up call. Where it's like, okay, man, how are we going to guard these really good lead guards, right? Because you have Jason Preston, who's a fantastic basketball player, maybe the best all-around player that Illinois plays all year. And then, you know, you roll in Big Ten play and like, hey, Marcus Carr. Um, so, so, you know, now you have a Jason Preston to be the barometer for how we guard Marcus Carr. You know, and and you have a team like Baylor. You know, I, I, I was tinkering with, like, the – you know, when you go into the Duke game, it looked like guys just had so much space. Like, there was so much space to attack, so much space on closeouts. And and you can see that. I thought Adam Miller was, you know, benefited from that. Um, so having the Baylor as a barometer for, like, you know, hey, we can we can really move the ball uh, on teams that aren't named Baylor, uh, you know, and, and it, it makes it easier. Like, when you have that experience, when you see a team like that – and then Missouri is just kind of like a – it was just a toughness game, like in my mind. Hmm. And then you can you can check that off the list. Hey, Duke, okay, we can win in Cameron. Okay, Baylor, all right, this is what we need to do against a team that will shrink the floor and, and that will make all those toughness plays. Like, you are six games into it. And aside from maybe North Carolina, A&T, and Chicago State, like these last four games, you've learned a lot. So um, I expect that to continue, uh, you know, into Big Ten play. Obviously, Big Ten play, like it's going to get even more rugged. It's going to get even more tough. Um you know, but these these six games that they've played, um, I think will will bode well for them moving into it. Great stuff as always, Michael Tulip, former Illini guard, of course, uh, House of Pain coach as well. Mike, always appreciate these late night chats. We'll have to do it again soon, man. And next time, yeah, next time after maybe a after victory, a win. yes, maybe after a win. Next time, uh, you won't have to play the role of talking people off the ledge. Yeah, I'm like that. I feel like the therapist <laughs> right now. Where at, after every loss, I have to come on and and try to level set expectations. But you're a good one. You're a good one at it. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it, man. Fantastic stuff with Mike. When we come back, let's get some football thoughts on the Illini. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, the early day stuff for Illinois athletics was a lot worse than what happened with this Missouri game. I get it. You're probably all more in Illinois basketball, care more about it. That's why we talked about it first, okay? Um, and you want your basketball team to, to win a national title this year. You you want to make a Final Four. You want to win the Big Ten. And right now, I, I you know I put this in my what it means, and it just means for now. But I said this looks like more of a top 20 team right now. And some people took that the wrong way. Um, but this looks like more of a top 20 team than a top 10 team. 
so far this year. Doesn't mean Illinois won't end up a top 10 team, win the Big Ten title, get to a Final Four, right? Because we've seen Michigan State teams look like this before. Um, so I'm still very high on what this Illinois basketball team can do, especially relative towards what they've done in recent history, right? This is going to be an NCAA tournament team. This is going to be a team that's going to be in the top 25 of the rankings most of the year, right? I think most years people would take that. It's just expectations are higher. So when you lose to Missouri, right, after a loss to, to Baylor, it's a little disappointing, and I get that, but it's a, it's a little relative, right? Illinois football has bigger issues, much bigger issues, because after 100 minutes of good football against Nebraska, phenomenal game, the last 20 minutes of Rutgers, great win for Isaiah Williams to come in as quarterback and play like that. And then the first 13, 17 minutes, I guess 17 minutes of the Iowa game, uh, Illinois has been demolished by two Big Ten West teams that in year five of Lovey Smith's tenure, you'd hope you would be competitive against. And that's the issue right now, is Illinois has not been competitive against the teams it's trying to chase. And just to get into the numbers here, let's just get into the numbers here. These are these are straight facts, and I included them in my column if you want to read it right now at a line I inquire. Lovey Smith, in his five years at Illinois, is now four and twenty-six against Big Ten West opponents. Four out of thirty games he has won. And the average margin of defeat in all those games, so even the wins, seventeen point two points per game. Now, you could look at the last two years, and those numbers aren't that much better. Um, So they've won a couple games against some Big Ten West rivals here in the recent years. You won Nebraska this year. You won Wisconsin by one point. Uh, Last year, you beat Purdue in a pretty dominant game, but that's about it. Right, like it hasn't been that much better the last couple of years, especially this year. You look at Purdue; you were down thirty-one ten. I know you weren't with all your team because of COVID. Minnesota, forty-one to fourteen, you lose that game again. I know you're without some COVID players, but you shouldn't be forty-one fourteen worse than Minnesota with some backups uh, playing in the game. Wisconsin, you had everybody available, and you lose forty-five to seven. And as we're seeing, Wisconsin's not that good. Graham Mertz is not that good this year. Um, and then Iowa, right? You take a 14 nothing lead, then you give up 35 straight points. Nebraska you beat this year. Well, you lost to him four years before that. So here, here's some more numbers. Against Northwestern, five straight losses to Pat Fitzgerald for Lovey Smith. Pat Fitzgerald's team is outscoring you 20.2 points per game. They're averaging 339 rushing yards during its last four wins. They had 411 on Saturday. That's just not competitive. In those losses, not just losses, just you're not competitive. Wisconsin four and one against Lovey Smith. They've outscored Illinois by an average of 25 points during those five years, and that includes a loss, only one point. Minnesota four and one against Smith, and they have outscored Illinois by an average of 11.2 points per game. Purdue has outscored Illinois by an average of 10 points per game in the last four years or five years. They're four and one. Did I mention Iowa? Iowa's 28 points better than Illinois and 5-0 and against Lovie Smith. That's your comp- competition, right? The one team you're okay against, I guess, if you want to say you're under double digits uh, outscored by every game, is Nebraska because you beat them by 17 or 18 points this year. You've had some close games with them. Um, they've outscored you by an average of 8.6 points per game 
during the Lovey Smith era. So you got a couple wins against Michigan State. You got four wins against Rutgers, but against your competition in the Big Ten West, Lovey Smith is four and twenty-six. So at the end of the day, five years in the Lovey Smith era, I mean, these are just numbers. This isn't just like, hey, this guy doesn't like what's going on or doesn't like the coach or whatever. Actually, Lovey Smith has been professional to me and right. I think he's a respectable man and I think he's been a leader in some ways for Illinois. But five years later, can you say Illinois is in a better place than it was in the year Bill Cubitt was head coach? That team was five and seven. They were two and seven in the Big Ten. They really didn't get blown out by many people. Right? They blew out they blew out Purdue twenty-eight um to what was that? It was forty-eight to fourteen in that game. They beat Nebraska that year, just like this team. They walloped Purdue. They lost to a ranked Iowa team by nine points. They lost to a ranked Northwestern team by 10 points. How far have you come? That team that Bill Cubic coached in the next two years had four draft picks on it, right? Four guys got drafted in the next two years. This Illinois team might go a third out of four years without a draft pick. And this is Lovey Smith's roster now. This isn't just Cubits and Beckman's recruiting. Um, this, this is the roster that Lovey Smith has built. And, um, you know, I think it's more talented. But is it developed? Is it developed into the players we thought they could become? I don't think so. And I think some of these guys I thought could get drafted might not do that after this year. So that that's a huge, huge concern. And Lovey Smith is now ten and thirty-three uh, during in, during Big Ten play during his five years. And and he told us, and there's nothing he can say after these games, right? So I can ask him about the future, about where this program's at. And he'll give you some answers. He'll answer the questions. And today he said, we've seen signs. We saw signs today. We got, we got to finish better. We're disappointed. And we want to finish this off the right way in their next game. I mean, there's that's all he can say. And I, you, you ask guys like Chase Brown questions after this about the locker room. And I even told Chase beforehand, I'm sorry I have to ask you these questions again for the second straight week. And Chase answers him. He's nice. I enjoy talking with him. Um but we're just waiting on Josh Whitman's answer, all right? That's all we're waiting for at this point because I, I don't think there's anything more you can look for on the field or in recruiting, which is awkward right now. You have early signing period on Wednesday with all this hanging over, and you wonder about these kids' future. Now, if Whitman did make a change, all these kids would be out of their letter of intent, but it's just an awkward space to be right now because even if you go to another coach, right, is he going to try and save this entire stat, this entire recruiting class? How many people can he actually add? Uh, it'd probably be a lot of transfers, but it's just it's a weird place to be in year 2020 because of the schedule. Instead of you know getting into a process, if you do hire a new coach in early December, having a couple of weeks to put together a recruiting class, you're you're doing it maybe after the early signing period. But we're just waiting on Whitman, and I've put in a request. I put in an official request. Uh, to speak with Josh Whitman. Do I think I'll hear from him personally? Probably not. Uh, and I think that's a little telling that he's been quiet all this time. I mean, Josh is a smart guy. He knows how to do his job, and he's probably gauging what he can do financially, what he can do within the university system, if he'll have the support from the Board of Trustees, if he'll have support from donors, if he'll have the support of the administration, all of that, if he has to make a move. And uh, probably hasn't had those discussions with Lovey Smith and his staff yet either. 
but he's got to be close to those. And uh, I don't expect to hear from him, whether it's a statement, whether it's, um, you know, he hasn't given a vote of confidence yet. Um, but if he gives a statement, a press conference, or just gives me a call, which, I, again, I doubt will happen. Um, but, it, but it's time that we're just waiting on that. And I don't know whether it'll be Sunday or Monday or next Sunday or next Monday. But within the next eight, nine days, we'll figure out from Josh Whitman what his plan is for the future and what his plan is for the path forward for Illinois football. But I think the path seems pretty clear to all of us, right? How do you go forward with Lovey Smith? Because while Lovey Smith will say, you know, the team hasn't quit on him, and I, I don't know, I, I don't know that it has, but it looks like an exhausted team, right? And there are a lot of exhausted teams out there because of COVID. COVID exhaustion is true for these players. It's true for everybody, all of you out there. But these players every day are going through this, and, and we see another player test positive in, in Tony Adams this week, and. It's it's a grind, and it becomes more of a grind as you lose games. And this has been a, despite COVID, despite injuries, and injuries have played a role here. COVID has played a role in this season. Should it play this much of a role to where you're getting blown out by Iowa? And, and that was a blowout, despite 35-21 to 21 at the end. It wasn't that close. 28-10 uh, to 10 for Northwestern, it, it wasn't that close. Uh, Wisconsin, 45-7, obviously a blowout. Minnesota, 41-14, obviously a blowout. But every team is going through this right now, right? And we see Minnesota get to 3-3 three and three today, beat Nebraska. Nebraska's not good right now, but Minnesota didn't have half its roster. Maryland. You know, I know they lost to Rutgers, but they're two and three. Rutgers in year one with Greg Schiano has a better record than Illinois. And I know Illinois beat them head to head. But when you see signs like that, that's year one stuff, right? Year five, it's not about seeing signs. It's about seeing results. And, you know, this is the roster Love You Recruited, the depth um, Love You Recruited. I mean, he went in this year with a roster that didn't have enough linebackers, enough cornerbacks, enough safeties. Uh, they were thin at those spots coming into this year, and they had open scholarships, and, and they weren't able to do it. And I know some of these transfers came late, but um, and some of them fell through. But you gotta have you gotta have a plan for that stuff, and, and, it, and it hurt them. It's obviously hurt them with the lack of depth they've had, and defensively, it certainly has hurt the last couple of weeks. But it doesn't excuse an offense uh, behind Rod Smith. I just think. I, I don't think this offense knows, or I, I don't think Rod has found the balance. Uh, with the quarterbacks of what he wants, right? I, I feel like he's adjusted a lot to Brandon Peters. And I feel like he struggled with that balance of how do I do my offense with this quarterback who's obviously, when working right, is good for us. But when Brandon has struggled the last couple of weeks, I don't think he's pulled the the plug quick enough to get to Isaiah Williams. So I just think when Isaiah Williams is in the game, I don't know if Isaiah beats uh, Iowa. I don't know if Isaiah beats Northwestern. Probably not. But I feel like Rod is just more comfortable calling his offense because that's what he wants in an offense is, is the type of player that Isaiah Williams is. But the word I get and the, and the sense I get and the word I get is that there's exhaustion in this program of where they're at. And I just think Josh Whitman would have a very hard time justifying bringing back someone with Lovey's record despite financial uncertainty here, right? Because I understand people think, well, can he find the money? That would be his job. 
is to find that money. Because I think long-term bringing back Lovey Smith because of financial reasons of I can't pay a $2 million buyout for him, maybe $2 million more for his staff, um, that, that, that could be long-term so costly to Illinois. Whether it's attendance next year, if you're able to get attendance next year, no matter what the capacity is, if you can get 20000 in there, you're going to get 20000 in there with Lovey Smith? I, I don't know. I don't think so. And that, that's a huge issue. And then you talk about recruiting. You're going to be transfer heavy probably again. And are as good a transfer is going to be interested with, with Lovey in the hot seat. It's, it's a tough place to be. And I, I just don't know how you sell that to fans. I don't know how you sell it to recruits. And I know Lovey's got some big backers uh, with some donors and, and some people in the administration. But you got to find a way uh, to improve your program because this isn't good enough. This, this just isn't good enough. And, you know, Josh said we will win. And they haven't. They haven't. He didn't say we will win in six years. Right? He, he, didn't, he didn't mean that. He said Lovey Smith will get us to Big Ten and national prominence. And, and that hasn't happened. And it was a great effort. I thought it was worth a shot. Um, I didn't have Lovey Smith on my list, and I probably wouldn't have gone that route. But, hey, it was a bold choice. And I think people would give Josh, you know, a little bit of leeway. Go, okay. You, you thought bold. You found the right basketball coach who brought them back to national relevance. I know they're coming off a loss tonight. But take another shot at this. If you admit the mistake, you move on. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what Josh Whitman has to say. But when that will happen, I'm not sure. But uh, that's what we're waiting on at this point. And I think the numbers prove what the path probably should be realistically. We'll see if Josh Whitman agrees with that and uh, – or how we would justify not going that way that I think a lot of people want to go. All right. Thanks for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. I know it's not the most positive here. Hopefully, Michael Tulip, uh, you enjoyed his uh, talk uh, and, and discussion about Illinois basketball's loss to Missouri. You got my thoughts on Illinois football. Hope you enjoyed that. If you don't already, you have a chance to subscribe to Illini Inquirer. I'll say that again. Subscribe. Let's say right this time to Illini Inquirer, 60% off through the early signing period. I do have early signing period content. I hope you enjoy it. I know people aren't going to be as much into it. I was uh, joking with guys like Trevor Voice and Austin Berkland. Hey, give me, uh, read some of that content. Make me feel better um, about it. But we do have, I got a big story coming up on Samari Collier. I do have uh, some some big stories on Illinois uh, and their testing program. And got like three separate stories coming out on that. Derek Piper will have more on Illinois hoops and how they're going to start off going into Big Ten play. We'll have more from the bragging rights game as well. So your chance until next Wednesday to sign up 60% off an entire year. That's more than $60 savings off an Illini Inquirer VIP membership. Okay, I've been up since 545 my daughter awoke. She went back down, so I got to kind of do some work in the morning. Then headed to Evanston. Got to Evanston about 830 and it's 11.15 right now. So I had enough time to hug the kids, um, eat a little bit, and then I got right back to the Illinois-Missouri game when I got home. So it's been a long day, so check out the content at Line Inquirer. But I'm going to go crack open a beer. 312 has been the one of choice, supporting in-state local there. Um, but I'm a wheat beer guy, and that, that sounds really good right now. So I'm going to bid you adieu. Illini fans, basketball will be back on Tuesday. We'll cover the heck out of it. I still think you got a good basketball team. We'll see where football goes. 
Everybody have a great day for whenever you're listening to this, whether it's late night, early morning on Sunday or on Sunday and over the weekend. Appreciate listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Subscribe to us, rate us, review us. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast.